Welcome to the Materialist Podcast, mini episode number seven, the seventh episode of my little mini solo cast series here. <laughs> uh, so loosely titled, What's on Nigel's Shelves? So if this is the first time you've caught an episode from this series, basically what I'm doing is examining some of the pots that we have in our pottery collection. Uh, my wife Cheyenne and I are ceramic artists and we have a big collection of modern art ceramics and we have them on display shelves and throughout our house. And so I thought being that we're staying at home, COVID-19 situation, this is a great opportunity to start speaking to some of these makers about the work that they're making and kind of try to delve a little bit deeper into their motivations for being makers. So for this episode, it's a little bit different. I didn't have the opportunity this week to interview a new maker. So I'm actually going to be broadcasting a, a recorded interview that we did back on episode three of the full-length Materialist podcast. Episode three was titled The Handmade Tale. And it's basically looking at ceramics, uh, prehistoric, historic. If you're interested, go back and listen to episode three. But uh, this interview is... Cut from that with Mariana Baccaro, and she is a local Gainesville, Florida ceramic artist. Um, lives right down the street from me, actually, and she's a good friend. So, so before we go into Mariana's interview, this <laughs> this was our third episode. So as far as the sound, we've improved dramatically since then. And so the, the audio isn't fantastic. Becky is speaking from across the, the interwebs from Tampa, and I basically just set a microphone in front of the computer speaker. So I, I tried to rework it, did some re-editing, so I hope it sounds better than it did originally, but that's the situation. So it's still a fantastic interview and very applicable as I have a bunch of Mariana's work on my pottery shelf. So still fits the theme. All right, y'all, here is my interview with Mariana. I'm Mariana Baccaro. I am a ceramic artist and I work currently as a, a teacher at a community studio on the University of Florida campus. And you are a recent graduate from the University of Florida Ceramics program yeah, as well. Yeah, not so recent anymore. It's been three years. Has it really? Yeah, time flies. We're old people. I know. So welcome, Mariana, Thanks. to the Materialist Podcast. Thank you. We are excited to have another maker. So Becky, again, like I had mentioned, Becky is speaking from the uh, the nether region of the interwebs. Um, and so um, I'm going to move the microphone closer to the computer. So Nigel, like, forwarded me, you know, part of your, your thesis. Yeah. And so it was like, it's like reading and something from anthropology or like archaeology. So it was really cool to see all the... The connections, like in your work, to yeah. things that we talk about all the time. So we're like, oh my god, you know, we have to have Mariana on like for every podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, absolutely. I would love it. I, uh, yeah, the research I did for the thesis was like some of my the the best things that I did. Like my favorite work was reading. Um, some of the research pieces that I did on material culture. And I took a class in grad school. We had to take an outside class. Um, and my class was on material culture. And it was in the anthropology department. And it was super fascinating because I am a maker. Like, I make these things. And to read about people's ideas um, about things and how they interact and 
how they're important in society. Like that was eye opening. Taking this class on material culture and doing these readings about um, objects and ha- and and their importance in creating identity um, and the the way they interact like in social rituals um, with people and how important objects are like that it really gave me the sense that what what I was making was important right and it, it's serving a purpose it's doing something out in the world. The underlying theme, really, for our entire podcast plan here is to basically discuss this idea, do objects have agency? Yeah. Um, Do, can they sort of dictate the world around them? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, my objects in particular, like, one of my strongest experiences as a maker was um, the first time I sold something right so i the i got into the show in chicago and this gallery in chicago and i sent my cups it was two sets of cups i sent them out there all my my little cups all the way to chicago where it was cold by themselves and um and they were in this show and some people came into the gallery and saw the cups and put down their money to buy them, right? And that exp- I got their check, you know, their personal check with their names on it. It was sent to me. And that experience, like that connection with these people that I had never met, like they saw my cups and something about those objects moved them. They connected in some way with those objects. I wasn't present. They didn't know me. They had nothing to do with me. They connected with the objects to the point where they were willing to part with you know, their money to buy them. And that, I mean, that connection astounded me. Like that feeling of connection, that sense of like this little bit of me went out there into the world and in it and in induced and enticed these people to buy it, <laughs> you know? And, and if that's not agency, I don't know what is. And, and it is a language, like absolutely it is a language and in pottery specifically, because we use these objects every day to eat, to drink in ritual, right? So it is, it's a language that's cut across like millennia, right? From thousands of years ago, we, we use the same kinds of objects objects to eat and drink out of. And so, I don't know, for me, like that, it's a crazy form of time travel. Well, and, you know, pottery, it's such a durable medium, right? right. So it's like last for, you it's know, archival. Yeah. forever. You know, so you think about like, who has it now? I'm sure like thinking where it ends up, like, do they pass, you know, or people like, they're going to pass it on to someone. Do they keep it forever? But then also, us being archaeologists, the pots that we find are ones that people threw out or tossed away, like, into the landfill eventually. So do you, like, what about, like, the deep time, like, journey of your pottery? What do you think an archaeologist would think of my one of your pieces in the archaeological site of I'm, the future? Yeah, I don't know. I <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I do. I think about that all the time. I thought about that a lot when I was in school making these really terrible, terrible pots. And we used to chuck them into the pond out behind the studio um, just as a way of honoring their existence, but also not ever looking at them again. And I would I would think about, you know, in a thousand years when, you know, the apes have taken over the world and, you know, they have their museum of human 
artifacts and some pot of mine is in there and they they'll wonder what it was used for and who made it and what their story was and but i think that even then they will still be eating and drinking out of pots right like they will see a bowl and they will like oh well this bowl was probably used to hold some kind of food some kind of liquid maybe in a ritual maybe not but it's not like they'll look at it and say oh we have no idea what this was used for like they they they'll know like you know we can speak to each other through these material objects across thousands and thousands of years and that that's just amazing so i mean even though i would like them to see my best pots even if they see my really crappy early pots i'm per- i'm totally fine with that i think that would still tell them something about me uh and that fascinates me too is how that translates through time like i look at these pots that are thousands and thousands of years old and the marks that they've made on these pots and they're the same marks that we're making now and the same marks that we find attractive now and it's really fascinating to me how that like there is this we always have this idea that beauty is subjective but it's really not i really think like there is this idea of things that are beautiful across time across cultures and and that that's something that survives and i imagine in 10,000 years it will still exist in some form or other that's recognizable and i love that i feel like that sense of durability i don't know that gives that gives me hope that there's some meaning to what I'm doing and that it's not just going to be lost. You know, as an archaeologist, it is one thing that I've often considered is the position of the maker and that, that idea that it would be so cool to bring a prehistoric potter just I mean, he would hate it, maybe. He or she <laughs> um, would hate it, but just come here for a second to, so they could maybe understand that idea of that the marks that they're making are 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 the same kind of marks that we're making you know and i I guess I, i guess what we have often sought after is this idea of what's behind those marks that that idea of where what is the motivation behind those marks and so that kind of leads me into um the question that becky was going to ask that she emailed me about mariana's specific mark making on her work so like in your thesis you talk about the ways that you know the objects that you're creating they hold these memories and i found that like really fascinating um, when you were talking about that so in what ways do you think that your pieces hold memories like do you think it's in like the physicality of how you're making the vessel is it in the design um and like the decoration or you know something else kind of more ephemeral yeah no i think i think there's multiple levels in which they hold memory i mean there is like the literal level in which like i've imprinted you know, handwritten stories on the surface of my pots. So literally you can read stories um, on the pots and, and their memories of my family. And, and I think this is the wonderful thing about art, right? Is that it works on multiple levels, right? There is the surface level, but then there's also the deeper level in that um, the, the pots themselves, I based on these archetypal vessel vessel forms right so these vessel forms greek vessel forms and roman vessel forms and native american vessel forms that are uh 
that are really recognizable. I think any person off the street looking at the silhouette of this form would be like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that's a pot. That's a pot that you would see in a museum, right? And so using those kinds of forms, um, that's a that's a language, right? That's a form of language to transmit information to someone that, right, we're talking about vessels. So so on that level also, it's transmitting meaning and information. But then also on the level of where I, I use my hands to form these objects. And so there's the marks of the maker. And so there's that kind of memory too. So I think it works on, on many, many levels. I think that's something that's unique to clay, that it can record yeah. that kind of information. So do you think it's possible for archaeologists to get to any of those levels of meaning that you had in your brain when you were making that pot? Is there any hope for us like, to be able to figure these things out and kind of get into the like thought process of those makers from thousands of years ago? Yeah, absolutely. I don't see why not. I mean, we... We, we all share the same, the same biology. Um, we, we have this language in the objects that we made and that we used, right? We all have, you know, lips and mouths. And so we needed these objects that would hold liquid and that would be able to funnel liquid into our mouths. But we can make intelligent guesses about what these objects were used for, why they were important. We, we look at context, right? Uh, so we can make inferences based on what we value now today, right? Like we still have ritual pots. It's fair to extrapolate that previous people also used those objects in that in a similar way, right? Like they had similar needs to what we had. They used their vessels in a similar way that we used our vessels. I think that's fair. No, yeah, I think it's absolutely fair, and and I think that's that kind of perspective is something that is uh, you know lacking <laughs> in uh, i mean it, maybe it isn't maybe it isn't lacking in archaeology but it's sometimes the focus uh, is on the object itself and um bringing the anthropology back into archaeology is something that you don't want to make really too many assumptions it's a science and i i get that that you don't want to i mean in art we're telling stories right yeah. so we can make assumptions and in science you want to be careful about the assumptions that right. you're making but i also think that um you know, there are some um, extrapolations that are more likely than others. And you can say it that way. You can say it's likely people use this for this reason. Yeah. You know, and I think it's fair to say we use these objects for these reasons. Maybe these ancient people used these objects for similar yeah. reasons. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's also important to point out, though, that our perspective on the world is completely alien Very to theirs. Different. And yeah. so... Um, there is, of course, the human perspective, um, and I think yeah. that's completely legitimate. But we come from extremely um, European-centric oh, perspective, and yeah. in, in, in how we have created our society, and how we have uh, every every aspect. At the heart of it all, though, really is the human interaction with the object itself. And I think you're absolutely right that we can. I think it's safe to make some kind of extrapolation. Yeah. Yeah, we tell we tell stories, right? Yeah. It's, it, we're we're telling ourselves a story of how people lived and used objects and what the objects meant to them. Right. And understanding the limitations of our context, you know, right, of our worldview, 
um, doesn't mean that we can't still attempt to understand another context and other worldview. I always think of that um, when you mentioned, like, if you could interview an ancient potter and bring him in here and ask him, you know, what did you mean by those making those marks? And I could just imagine he or she saying, well, there was a seashell and it was pretty and I stuck it in the clay <laughs> and it. Yes. And it looked great, right? And it's not, I don't think it's, it needs to be any more complicated than that. And I, I think that's a totally legit. I think in this modern time, like uh, having gone to grad school, uh, you know, in ceramics and having to explain every mark that I ever made on any ceramic pot to have some deep meaning behind it, right? I think it could be just as simple as, you know, I found this tool in my kitchen and it made a really cool mark. And so I used it, you know, and I think an ancient potter is probably, he found some object in his environment and he liked the look of it and he made that mark and the other people around him said that looks really great we like that make more of that and i just don't think it's any more complicated than that it doesn't need to be more complicated than that we do tend to overcomplicate things now in this like modern western perspective i think we want things to be deeper than they really are well that was excellent <laughs> thank you well that's fantastic i think that's a safe place to wrap it up okay. um Thanks, Mariana, for being on The Materialists. Welcome. Thanks, Mariana. Thank you. My pleasure. Hey, hey, listeners. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode, pre-recorded episode. Thanks again to Mariana for her help with our episode way back when on episode three. Listeners, I encourage you all to go back and listen to episode three. It was a good one, talking about ceramics for a full episode. We also talked to a potter out of Tallahassee by the name of Marty Fielding. He's a, a great potter as well. If you'd like more information on Mariana and her ceramics, you can go to marianabaccaro.com. That's M-A-R-I-A-N-A. Last name Baccaro, B-A-Q-U-E-R-O. MarianaBaccaro.com. Thank you so much to my regular co-host of the full-length episodes, Becky O'Sullivan, the public archaeology coordinator at FPAN West Central. And if you'd like more information on FPAN, please go to FPAN.us. Thanks, of course, to Have Gun Will Travel for the use of their song. You can check out them at hgwtmusic.com if you would like to holler at Becky or I you can go to materialists at gmail.com and just shoot us an email and we'll get it if you have any questions just give us a shout this is probably going to be the second to last episode of the podcast series here the mini mini series about what's on Nigel's shelves so wrapping it up stay tuned for an upcoming summer full-length episode that's going to be debuting before we take our little summer hiatus. It's a really interesting and very summer-oriented topic, so uh, keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. So check us back at The Materialist Podcast. We'll catch you all on the flippity-flip. <laughs>